All right. Well, turn your Bibles. Acts chapter 4. Eric, did you do anything? It doesn't seem like you did. It seems like you didn't do much. Uh, and we're going to read these first 16 verses. Now, this is after what we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Peter and John have spoke to this guy. He's walked around. Uh, everybody's got excited about all this, except for the Sadducees and all these people. And they're all upset because Peter and John's preaching in the name of Jesus. And so this is kind of what happened. So let's all stand and uh, we're going to read these first 16 verses. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking. So they're up telling them what's going on and they come and talk to him. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and the other men of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. And listen to what they say. By what power or what name did you do this? And if you look in the Amplified Bible, it says, what authority are you doing this under? And we see that throughout the New Testament. Jesus talks about authority, and now they're talking about authority. What in the, how are you doing this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called on account today for the act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he has, has, how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, and notice this, they didn't, they did not take one bit of the credit they said, and remember it said that we have the use of the name of Jesus. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And this is how they said we did it. He said, by what power, you know, he, uh, he says, if you're, uh, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. <laughs> this is funny. Whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That this man stands before you healed. He is the stone. He just keeps telling him over and over again how silly. Uh, you know, you're the guys that killed him. Uh, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the, the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage, now look, now watching him, they're watching Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the men who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could do. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they ask. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. And this is the part that's been so much on my heart and what I want to be uh, said about our lives as the church and we could, we, and we cannot deny it. We've seen what's happened, and we can't deny what God is doing. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, Father, that we would live lives so much under your authority and that you would work so much through the life of the church 
that even people who might be against the church could not deny what you're trying to do in the life of the church. And so, Father, tonight I pray that you just speak to us uh, again this evening. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question. I want this to be the question of your heart tonight. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Whose authority am I under? And when we see these guys here in chapter 3 and then going on into chapter 4, we see them, and, and when someone's under authority, they say, this is what I want you to do. And Jesus, when he left, he said, I want you to do the same things that I've been doing. I'm, I'm going to give you the power, I'm going to give you the authority, and you're going to be able to do the same things that I've been doing. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus would always meet a physical need, and then he would give a spiritual word into it. He would go up to someone, he would, he, if they needed something, he would, he would bring healing, and then he would say, this is what you do. When he talked to the leper, he, would say, he brought healing to the leper, and then he said, go and sin no more. When he talked to people, lots of times, this is what he'd do. He would meet a physical need, and then he would give a spiritual teaching. Okay, And this is what God has called us to do in the church. We are called to meet physical needs and then to bring spiritual truth in through that. And tonight, we are, uh, through what we're getting ready to do, we're going to meet a physical need. And we're going to bring a spiritual truth into that. And then we leave that up and let God do whatever he wants to do in that. That's what Peter and John did. They saw a physical need. This guy couldn't walk. They brought, they brought a physical need. They met a physical need through the power of Jesus. And then they spoke spiritually into his life. And then whatever he did with it was up to him. But that's how the church is supposed to work. We bring physical and spiritual together. And Jesus usually leads with physical somehow or another. And it can be whatever. But that's what God has called us to do. And so, uh, and I say this, I I quote John Wesley a lot. uh, And this is one of my favorite quotes. John Wesley says, there is no holiness except social holiness. Meaning that if our holiness cannot be seen by the people around us, if our holiness is not so real that it pours out into the lives of others to where they can say, there is something about that person, there is something about that church, there's something about the people that go to that church that is different, and it has to be real. It's not, I say I'm holy, it's I am holy, and it pours off and leaks out onto you, okay? Hopefully tonight, and we, and we do this, we do this in some of the other things that we do, uh, in, in other ministries that we do, in our turkey giveaway and things like that. We're seeking to meet a physical need, but we're given a spiritual truth. And hopefully that's pouring out on somebody. And so that's what we're trying to do. But there isn't, it isn't holiness unless our, it's not real holiness unless there is some sort of physical need being met. If your neighbors or the people you go to school with or your employees or the people that you work with cannot see and feel physically God in your life, there is no real holiness in you. Jesus was holy and his holiness spilled out on everybody around him and no one could deny it. And we see here in Peter and John, Jesus' holiness is in them and it's beginning to spill out on everybody else. And even the people that can't stand what they're doing say, we can't deny what we see. This is really happening. 
And that's what God wants to happen in the life of the church. He wants the holiness that is in us to spill out on the neighborhood to where even the people that don't even like us would have to say, look, there's something going on there. There's something real there. A few years ago, we, uh, as a church, bought a well. I don't even know if any, everybody remembers this. Does everybody remember when we bought a well for Ethiopia? We bought a well in Ethiopia. And that well serves both Christians and Muslims. And the, the missionaries there say that nobody messes with water because everybody needs it. And he said that it has made a great difference in that little community because even the Muslims who cannot stand the Christians cannot deny the fact that a church somewhere felt like it was, a, it was what they needed to do to bring water in that community. And they, may, and they still probably don't like the Christians. But he said they will not deny that someone didn't, did something for them and it's real. And they can touch it and they can drink it in. And that's what God has called us to do. God has called us to have his holiness in us so that no one can deny it, to make himself known. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that. The Holy Spirit does not want to sit around quietly in the lives of the church as we sit in the pews. That is not the way the Holy Spirit works. Jesus was never a sit around in church guy. Jesus was always out doing ministry, always out pushing it himself into someone's life. And that's what, and his spirit is what is in us. And so he still seeks to do that. And it says, he says, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you read the Amplified, it said that they were vexed and that they were indignant through and through. They were like, who do these guys think they are? Who do these guys think they are? And it says later that they could tell that they were unschooled people and, and they couldn't understand what was happening. And it says that they were just completely disgusted at this and they were upset and they, they couldn't understand it. They knew it was true, but they couldn't understand it. And, it was, and, and the reason they were so upset was, uh, well, they thought that killing Jesus was gonna put an end to this problem. They thought, you know, if we can get rid of Jesus then we're not going to have to mess with this stuff anymore. And so they got rid of Jesus, and these guys are coming along saying, well, you didn't get rid of him. He's still alive, and he's living in us. And we can prove it because we're doing the same things he did. And I don't know about you, but I wonder about uh, how they felt about that, knowing that Jesus was still alive. And, and and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But uh, they, they said they looked at these guys and they said, these guys are common, untrained people. And we can't figure out how they're doing anything because they don't know nothing. All right. And I don't know about you, but that, that makes me feel so good to know that God wants to use the common, untrained, ordinary person. You know, if you, does everybody here have a pulse tonight? Everybody? Some of you I'm kind of worried about, but uh, have a pulse. You know, if you have a pulse, you're qualified for God to work through. I think lots of times we think, oh, well, you know, I just don't have. These guys looked at Peter and John and goes, how in the world is God doing anything through these folks? 
Folks, if you're alive, God wants to do something through you. And, and God does not want you to just come and sit in church. God wants to reach out and do these kinds of things that we're seeing here in Acts and, and do that and wants you to be effective. And I think sometimes we think, well, I have to be, you know, I'm not here for popular and I don't know uh, what's supposed. God doesn't do, God does not care what you wear, what you look like or who you are. God wants righteous people. That's all God wants. That's all God requires. He requires you to be righteous, so righteous that no one could deny that he's working through you. That's what he wants. That's what the church needs. If we really want to have real revival, it's going to start in the body of Christ with people saying, I'm going to live a righteous life. Because that kind of life pours out on people. It's not going to be events and things like that. It is going to be when the church decides, I'm going to live under the authority of God and I'm going to be a righteous person. Because that's who God works through. That's who God was working through here. They did not have a big meeting. They had two guys on their way to church who was living a holy life, had spoken to the life of someone else, and God blessed it to where no one could deny it, and people got saved. Do you think that God doesn't want to do that? Do you think that God said, okay, that was just one little thing. That was just one little thing, and I'm probably never going to do that again. I think God wants to do that in your workplace. I think he wants to do that in our school. I think he wants to do that in our town. But he needs righteous people to say, hey, I'm going to let you work. I'm going to let you interrupt my day. I'm going, to let, I'm going to go out of my way to speak whatever that is and whatever that takes. I'm going to do that. And God says, I want to do that in your life and wants to make it physical and spiritual. And uh, so these guys, they're on their way to church. They touch this guy, and I mean, they, they speak to this guy. He gets healed. He jumps up and down. They get thrown in jail, and after, after they tell everybody what, what authority they've done this in, and like, I don't know how many more thousand people came to know Christ because it says at first there was 3,000, now there's 5,000, but they've had a great revival. And so while they're in jail, they say, okay, we've got to build a bigger building. We've got to get a new PA system. We've got to get all this stuff. We've got to get this stuff done before we get out of jail. They didn't build a new building. They didn't have app building. They didn't do anything like that. They were just, the church was just growing. And the church was just, go, just going. And don't get me wrong, uh, I think we need to have that kind of stuff. But it says that these people, they did not have a building. They did not have a meeting place. It says that they were devoted to the word of God. What we would say the word of God. They were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. They were devoted to fellowship and prayer. And that's what they were doing. That's what God has called us to. We need to be devoted to this, to this, and to prayer. Okay? We've been praying on Wednesday nights. We've been praying on Wednesday nights. And God is going to meet with us. I know that he is. And, I know, and I'm telling you, I have been, I was so scared to start the waiting thing that I went on vacation right before I started it so that Eric could do it because I, I was like, if this fails, I'm going to blame it on Eric. And I'm going to tell you what, and maybe it was just me, 
But I thought we had a great meeting Wednesday night. Some of you were here. We had a great time of prayer around the altar. And uh, we've just been, I mean, we've been praying. We've been praying for our, our youth. We've been praying for our kids. We've been praying for our new kids pastor. We've been praying for our uh, teen camp and things like that. We've been praying for, for Lance and uh, our worship team as, as they're coming along. And we're kind of trying to do something different there and, and try to do uh, uh, some more stuff like that. And we've been praying for that. And I believe if we stay at it, God's going to work. And we're going to be praying for us that we would be righteous people that God could work through. And so this is what, this is what the first church was, was dedicated to. They was dedicated to being with each other, fellowship and prayer and the teaching of the word. And they were, they were, uh, they were doing church and, uh, and this, they weren't doing church. They were doing ministry and the church was who got upset at them. They were like, well, this is not how we do church. This is not how we, how we do church. This can't, this can't happen. They were upset because this guy got healed, which makes no sense whatsoever. But it went outside of, of, of what they thought needed to be happening. And the truth was they thought they were the religious authority. They thought if it doesn't happen underneath our umbrella of what we do, then it's not God. And years ago, God had put the priests and all that in together and, they, and, and put them over the authority of, of that. And, but they were still supposed to be under the authority of God. But as they had went along, the priests, the high priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all those guys had taken the authority of God on themselves. And they had become the authority. Almost to where you don't get in unless we say you get in. And that's what had happened. And so John and Peter start doing something. They're like, wait a minute, you're, you're outside our authority. You're, we, we, didn't, we didn't sanction this. And we're not sanctioning all these, these people that are believing in the resurrection of Jesus. That is not under the sanction of the church. And they were all upset about this and all up in hands. And they said, by what authority are you doing this? And they said, we're doing it under the authority of Jesus. Remember that guy you killed? He's back. He's not dead. I don't know about you, but if I killed somebody and I knew that they were resurrected, I think I'd have trouble sleeping at night. I'd be sleeping with one eye open. Have you ever watched, have you ever watched any movie, any movie where they think they've killed the guy? Anybody ever watch Rambo? They got him up in a, in a cave somewhere. They blow the cave up. Rambo's dead. Rambo's dead. He's, he's not going to. Everybody that kills somebody like that and they come back, Rambo comes back to town and he doesn't say, well, blessed are you people. We love you. I, I'm, I'm gonna. He comes back and shoots the whole place up. I'd be afraid of someone that I killed and came back. But Jesus is so kind. He just says, ah, you know, you had to do that. It's all right. I'm going to show who I am. I'm just going to be, you know, he just keeps doing ministry and things like that. But I think I'd be afraid if those are guys. But these guys says, whose authority did you do this? And they say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus' authority. And, uh, and I want to I ask you tonight, whose authority do you live under? Whose authority are you under? What authority are you living your life under at all? Even the people... And when they lived under this authority, even the people who hated them said, we cannot deny what has happened is real. It's real. It's extraordinary. And I cannot, and we cannot deny it. And I got, I got to thinking about it. 
In the world we live in, people deny Christ all the time. People deny that he does anything. They deny that he was ever alive. They deny that he is real. If you watch TV or anything like that, people are constantly denying Christ. And I wonder, why is it so easy in the day and age that we live for people to deny Christ? And I'm going to give you what I think. I think it's because they have not seen a real Christian in their life. Because this word here says that these people were completely against what those guys were doing. But they said, we've seen it and we can't deny it. And the problem in the world is that there's not enough righteous, holy people around everybody that they can see it. Because if there was a righteous, holy person in everybody's life, they might not like it, but they'd say, I can't deny it. I can't deny it. Your neighbor cannot deny that you don't love him because you called him in a time of need. He might, you know, he used to not believe it. But when you called him, he's like, I can't deny it. You know, they say they really love me. And then when it came down to time that they needed somebody, they, you know, they really do. They really do care about me. I can't deny it that Shannon cares about me and his family cares about me. I didn't think they did. I didn't think it was real, but I can't deny it. I, I, I'm in a bad spot and, and things aren't going right. And all of a sudden people start coming into my life. I can't deny that God's, he doesn't deny it, does he? He says, this is God doing this. This is God doing this. And what has to happen is we have to live holy lives under the authority of Jesus. And I just want to ask you tonight, whose authority are you under? Because people are going to see whose authority. If you say, I'm under the authority of Jesus, and then you don't do any Jesus things, people are going to go, mm, you're kind of not. And your family and your kids and your peers are going to watch you, and they know who has authority over your life. And if, and if Jesus is not seen or, or things are not seen, it's, it's, it's going to be easy for the world to say, and it's easy for the world to deny that the church is under Jesus' authority. And the reason is that people say, yeah, I'm part of the church and I'm doing, uh, I'm doing church things. And then they go off and do something else that's completely against what God says. And people say, well, you say this and then you do this. And they say, we don't believe because then they can deny it. But when we live holy lives continuously, they will not be able to deny it. Uh, I, you know, you say... You know, we've heard uh, religious leaders say for years that they're under the, 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 in, in this story, the religious leaders said for years and years we're under the authority of God, but the people were not seeing anything like this. And then Peter and John come along and they say, we're under the authority of Jesus and Shazam. And people say, well, you know, we can't deny that. This guy can walk again. And when we say we're under God's authority and then we actually live it out, then people will not be able to deny it. Uh, revival broke out uh, when these Christians came under the complete authority of God. And that's what needs to happen in our church. We need to be under the complete authority of God. And, and what happens is people say, I'm under God's authority 
But then when you read, like, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe I'm being judgmental, and I don't mean to be. But sometimes the life does not match up to what they say. You, ever, you know, and I'm not a big Facebooker. Actually, I'm not a Facebooker. But sometimes my wife is a Facebooker. And, and sometimes someone will say that they follow Christ and then they say some of the most ridiculous things you've ever heard in your life that does not match with that. And folks, that is not helping us. That is not helping the, the, the uh, witness of the church. We are to live so righteous that everything in our life comes under the authority of God. The, the things that we say on Facebook, the things that we say to people, the way that we work, the way that we live, the way that we act when we're outside the church has to come under the authority of Christ. And when that does, it is so obvious that people will not be able to deny it. It's so obvious that they will not be able to deny it. And that's what God wants from us. And I just want you to ask yourself tonight, am I under the complete whole authority of Jesus Christ? Is the words I say, the life I live, the things I do, the, the way I conduct myself, is that under the authority of God so obvious that nobody could deny it? And so that it's plain to everyone. And I just want you to be asking yourself that question this week. Is my life under the complete authority of Christ? Because if we really want, and I do, I really want to see God begin to move and do some of these things that we're talking about. And God, and I want it to be so obvious that people say, I don't know what happened, but I can't deny what happened. I can't deny that it's real. I don't even like those folks, but what they're doing is real. I, don't, I may not even like what they're doing, but it's real, and I see it. And the Word says that that happens when Christians live completely under the authority of Christ. Ask yourself, I want you in your prayer time, say, God, is there anything in my life that is not under your authority? Show me, God, show me. If you ask God and pray that, he will show you. He will show you. I want us to stand tonight. Father, we love you and thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that in the life of our church that we would all be under the complete authority of Christ to where when we live our lives that people would be able to look at that and say there is no way that I can deny that Christ is not real in the life of this body. And Father, tonight I pray that as we try to make a physical, to meet a physical need uh, in the life of this family, Father, I pray that it would meet way more of a need than a physical need. I pray in Jesus' name tonight that it would meet a spiritual need. I pray tonight that you would be with those who take this gift, this physical gift. I pray that you would speak spiritually into their life and that those folks would say, I cannot deny that God has not done this. Doesn't mean anything's going to change in their life. I pray that they are where they need to be and that this is helping them. But Father, I pray tonight specifically that they would not be able to deny that Christ has moved. And I pray that we would so live our lives that everybody around us would not be able to deny that you're working in our lives. Father, we love you. Help us to be the church you've called us to be. Help us to be a righteous, holy people. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.